All right, so um, Acts 28, 11 through 31, I think, right, Jonathan? All the way to the end of the chapter. Um, after three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. And it was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Petilio, or Petioli. Sorry. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Apius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even large numbers, even larger numbers, to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The word of the Lord. Thank you for your encouragement to us, the church body this morning. Oh, it's good to see all of you. I feel like we have a few more here today. It's always encouraging to see faces and eyes. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we get to finish Acts. What a big book. Uh, and yet we're excited to hear whatever you have to say here in this closing chapter of Acts. We pray that it, would, um, that it would impact our lives going forward, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So any idea of when we started Acts? Anyone know when we started the book of Acts? It was actually January 5th, 2020. 
Uh, so we are in our third year in this book. Uh, this is the 56th message out of Acts that we've done. Thankfully, we did not do that all in a row, right? We would have been done a while ago if we'd done that, but we took different breaks for different uh, series and different things that we've talked about, and then there was this thing called COVID that hit the world that sort of <laughs> derailed it for a little while, but we got back on track. Uh, and so now we're coming to an end. And whenever we encounter an ending, it's an opportunity to look back and to look forward, right? To look back and see, like, what did we learn? <laughs> what did God teach us over the course of these 56 messages in Acts over kind of sitting in this, uh, this powerful, missions-driven, Holy Spirit-driven, gospel-driven book? And what's he going to encourage us to do going forward? What did I learn personally? What did we learn as a church? What am I going to do personally? What are we going to do as a church? So it's an opportunity to look back and forward. And, uh, you know, to th this message today, right, it, it, Paul has finally reached Rome, the ends of the earth. And we're going to go back, actually, to Je Je uh, Acts chapter 1, and look at the first verse there, verse 8. Uh, it was sort of this outline for the book of Acts. Jesus says this to his disciples, to his followers. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And so we actually could look at a map, and we looked at lots of maps. I feel like Acts is the map book, right? Like the Dora, the Explorer, book of the Bible. Uh, you follow the map. You start in Jerusalem, right? That's where the gospel message begins. We get Pentecost, right? Paul, uh, Peter preaches that gospel message. 3,000 people come to, to faith, uh, all different languages, nationalities, and then uh, it begins to spread as you watch the gospel sort of spread from that point, right? It hits Judea, spreads to Samaria, right? We, get, we encounter the story of uh, Peter preaching the gospel to Cornelius, right? He has that vision. Uh, that's about, you know, halfway roughly through the book of Acts. And then you encounter this little figure named Saul who is converted on the road to Damascus. Jesus appears to him, and we call him by the name Paul. I don't know if there's any real theological meaning to why we call it. I think it's just, I think it's like Hebrew and then Greek. Uh, and we watch him as the gospel sort of spreads to the entire ancient world, right? So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then it, he goes on these three missionary journeys where he goes through Asia, right? What we call modern-day Turkey, all up through Pamphylia and Lycia and Ephesus, and he does make it all the way to Athens on the uh, other side of the Aegean Sea there, right? and then he makes his way back to Jerusalem, and that's sort of what we've been, we picked up again in that, that final home stretch, right? When he comes back to Jerusalem for the third time, there's this riot at the Jerusalem temple, and then finally he goes on this journey, uh, a multi-year journey where he's in prison for a couple years at Caesarea, and then he is taken by ship, and, and that, that on the map we see the little, like the journey that he takes. I'm going to use the the pointer one more time here uh, in Acts, right? And, and uh, last week we were looking at Paul on Malta, right? That's where they shipwrecked. Today he's going up to Rome. So is this the ends of the earth? Sort of. 
Sort of, it's Rome. It's, maybe it's the center of the earth at that time, the center of power and, uh, and, and influence. But we know that Paul had greater dreams beyond this to take the gospel to Spain and other places. So I don't necessarily think that Paul looked at Rome and said, wow, that's the end of the earth. But God had specifically called Paul to Rome. And we do see that fulfilled in this passage today. So as we think about this big narrative, this big story of the early church of that first mission, just have this question. What did we learn? What did we learn? And you're going to have a chance to reflect on this question in our small group discussion time today. What sticks out to you? You remember all 56 sermons, right? Or what sticks out to you kind of from the big narrative? And I've, I've been reflecting on this myself, and I have a couple things that stick out to me, but what sticks out to you might be something different, and that's fine. My, the first thing that sticks out to me is that God has an unstoppable spirit-empowered plan. We just read about that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. God has an unstoppable, spirit-empowered plan. And we can like look back at Acts and see where, where that plan was. <laughs> but that plan is still going today. All right, so we're still a part of that unstoppable, spirit-empowered plan. If we take the time to be a part of that and seek the spirit. Now as we look at Paul and Peter and their journeys, man, they, they got like stoned and arrested. Paul got shipwrecked. Like no one would look at that and say, wow, that's God's unstoppable plan, <laughs> right? Like you wouldn't say like, wow, look, he's such a success as he's like storm-tossed and washed up on the shores of Malta. And yet God is like working through the trials and he's working through the suffering. I find that very encouraging, as believers, we shouldn't expect that like you come to Christ and our life will be this easy pathway forward. It's just not how it works. But like if we have this confidence that God is working through our circumstances, working through our trials and our suffering to, 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 to orchestrate his plan, like I find that greatly comforting. Because like whatever we go through, God's there. God's at work. God's doing something in my sickness, in my health, in my joys, in my disappointments, my loss of job, my loss of family members. God's there. God's at work. God's moving. And in some seasons, like, it's going to be stormy. We read about that in Acts chapter 27. It's like the storm chapter of Acts. Right? And, and you see it coming, and Paul has no control over the, the storm. He has no control over the boat. He warns uh, uh, Julius, the, the, the Roman centurion, uh, Julian, like, don't go. And it goes anyways and gets shipwrecked. And then we read in today's passage, and there's like this amazing, I, maybe I'll take it back to the map real quick. There's this amazing journey that goes Really quickly. So it's like in, in the first half of Paul's journey, it's like storm, 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 shipwreck. And in this part of the journey, it's like God puts sail, a wind in their sails. They traveled 200 miles when it, in like the space, uh, 180 miles in two days. Like I, I sense that's a lot on, in a sailboat. <laughs> and, and they get to Rome quickly. It's like, God, why, why at this part did you have all that storm and trial and suffering, and then here you're like, here, you have a nice wind. 
We don't know. But what we do know is God's plan is unstoppable. Another word for uh, spirit is wind, rucha, right? God's breath. God's wind, his northeaster wind is in it, right? When there are storms and when there is trial and suffering, he's still driving you where he wants you. And when the wind is in your sails and you are just cruising, God is in it and he is with you. And both are humbling and comforting. Because we know it's not really us. (laughs) It's not really us. And so the question is, how can we get in sync with the Holy Spirit? I hate to use Google Drive as an illustration for the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to. Uh, Because my, my computer kept getting out of sync this week with its Google Drive. And it was just infuriating. It was like nothing worked. I had to save stuff on the desktop and... It was just like everything came to like a, a, a frustrating crawl. And then, you know, I, I did nothing. Actually, I did nothing. Google did something. And it started to work again. And I got in sync and kept going. And I think that's just a reminder, like, what do we need to do to get in sync with the Holy Spirit? What do we as a church body need to do? to get in sync with the Holy Spirit. I know we don't, like, as a church, celebrate Lent. Uh, You know, that's where you have a a specific time of, like, fasting leading up to Easter. I sort of tried to do it. I've just absolutely failed at it. Maybe some of you have tried. But, right, that could be in a time, a season, to try to seek God. Maybe there are other times that we as a church could set aside and say, hey, we want to seek the Holy Spirit, but we want to seek God to see what God's doing here so we can better get in sync with God's spirit, with God's missionary drive wherever he wants to go? How can we just do this as individuals, right? Taking that time, uh, reading a book where we talk about worship. Uh, McKenna and I have been reading this book, talking about worship being wasteful, right? I probably shouldn't have introduced this idea based on Alan's expression. This idea that like we just spend time with God, to, to receive from God, to know God better, not to get anything out of God. Right? And that's part of how we get in sync with God and with the Spirit. It's just spend time with the Spirit. So God has an unstoppable, Spirit-empowered plan. Let's get in sync with it. Number two, Acts calls us to re-examine what we believe to be true. Right? So if we look at this passage, Paul arrives in Rome. He's under guard 24 hours a day. He is chained to a guard. They are prison buddies for the, for the shift, and I guess he's allowed to live on his own. It's sort of this, this house that he rents, it costs, uh, but he quickly decides, like, he quickly wants to share the gospel with the, the Jewish people in Rome, and so he calls together the Jewish leaders, and he's nervous because he's like, have you guys heard of me? <laughs> have you heard the word on the street about who I am? And they're like, no, we haven't heard about you, but we have heard about the sect that you represent, this Christianity, the way. We've heard bad things. And so Paul gathers them for an entire day. And I love that. Like from morning till evening, he goes through the scripture and he explains to them about the Messiah. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about 
Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. So what is Paul doing? He is going, he's walking with them back through the scriptures, and he is trying to, I'm going to use a popular word, he's trying to deconstruct what they believe about the scriptures and to reconstruct what they believe about the scriptures, but with Jesus, showing how Jesus is the fulfillment of the scriptures. He is challenging what they believe to be true. I think this is really healthy. If you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you, you need to be challenged. Your worldview and how you, how you view everything needs to be challenged. And that, actually, the same is true if, if you're a believer already. Right? We all need to be challenged and to sort of make sure that we are you know, the other word for it was reforming, right? That's this idea of going back to the scriptures and trying to get closer to the scriptures and, and closer to what God says to be true. Right? And there, there are issues that, like, so deconstruction is this idea of, like, kind of a thoughtful, methodical taking apart of something in order to put it back together in, like, a better way. Hopefully, like, reconstruction. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Anytime we're thoughtful about what we believe, that is different than like demolition where something emotional that's very emotionally charged happens in your life and you just walk away or you become disenfranchised. You see perhaps Christians acting one way and Jesus seeming to appear a different way and then you walk away from the whole thing. Please don't do that. Please take the time to walk through this in a sort of carefully examining the issues way, and I would love to walk with you. There's different things that we can examine, but ultimately we always want to get closer to Jesus, to to the Messiah, to what Scripture says. We're all going to deconstruct something at some point. And so if that's you, if you're going through a time of re-examining, let's do that together. So God has a Spirit-empowered unstoppable plan, and Acts calls us to re-examine what we believe to be true, to let ourselves be challenged. And we see that happening over and over again in Acts, right, as the, the Jews and the Gentiles are forced to kind of come together in this new community. This was an incredible time of, of taking and sort of re-examining what people believe to be true. And then number three, the gospel confronts us with a choice. So Paul's Jewish audience, right, they gather and they listen to him for a whole day. And then near the end of his message, he comes to the book of Isaiah and he quotes this. He says, uh, this is from Isaiah, he says, Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Then he says, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. So this is the exact same thing that almost got Paul killed uh, in Jerusalem, right? He talked about the gospel. He talked about the resurrection. They weren't so offended until he said, like, and this is for the Gentiles, too. And they're like, no. Something about this is very challenging. 
Are we going to receive the gospel? Are we going to receive God's word? Are we going to turn away? The gospel should be challenging to us, right? Because it's... uh, the, the gospel is all of it, in my mind, but as we think about Christ Jesus and what he did, right, there's, this, there's, there's this recognition that like we need a savior, that there's something wrong with us, that we have a problem with sin, and the way God dealt with that is by sending his son as a sacrifice to, to live a perfect life, to die, to rise again, to conquer death, to conquer our sin. But now he's ascended and seated on the throne, and we have a choice, right? Can we, can we follow the way of King Jesus, knowing that he is good even though not all the time we, we don't always act good like him, or are we going to just kind of go our own way? The way of Jesus often confronts our preferences. The gospel confronts us with a choice. So here's my final question. What are we going to do about it? Right, so we've, the, the big book of Acts, we've learned, some lessons learned. How are we going to respond? I have a couple ideas, but really I, I want us to, to bring your thoughts in our small group to discussion today. Just share, like, here's how I think I need to respond. Here's how I think our church needs to respond. Number one is just take small prayerful steps. I think this is true whether you believe in Jesus or not. Right? Take small, intentional, prayerful steps. You don't believe Jesus, you don't know him, ask him to show up. Ask him to speak to you as you read the word, as you come to church. If you do know Jesus, maybe you need to be a little bit more like Peter or Paul, sharing the gospel message, sharing the gospel with your front line. We haven't talked about your front line in a while, right? The people around you, your everyday, your family, your friends, your neighbors. And then number two, let's be an outward church, right? Let's follow the Holy Spirit wherever he leads into our world. So my final question is just, where do you sense the Spirit's leading? Where do you sense the Spirit's leading? And that's what we're going to talk about uh, uh, as we head into our, our group. So let me pray, and then Alan's going to divide us up. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the book of Acts, that you have walked with us through it. I pray that it would change us as a church community, that would change us as families and individuals, Lord, would we, uh, would we sense Paul's heartbeat uh, to, to share, would we sense your heartbeat to share the gospel with those around us, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.